Thanks for listening to the Thyroid Fixer podcast with your host, me, Dr. Amy Horniman, AKA the Thyroid Fixer. Also functional medicine practitioner, hormone and weight loss expert. We're talking all things thyroid, hormone, and health related in order to empower, educate, and transform you. Remember, I fix your thyroid, I fix your hormones, I fix your life. So let's get started. You fast or not to fast, that is the question. And it's a question I get from so many of you, from my patients alike. Many of you are type A and you're doing fasting because you heard it was good for you and it is, and we're gonna break that down. It is very, very good for you, but you may have heard that it's good for you. And then you decided to implement an OMAD, which is one meal a day. And maybe you are determined that every single day you're going to do a 16, 18 hour fast. And we need to break that down to figure out whether it's good for you to do or not. So that's going to be our topic for the day. Are you finally at your wits end where you are tired of dealing with doctor after doctor? Maybe you've spent thousands on integrative or functional practitioners that have not helped you at all because they don't know the thyroid and hormones. They're not even testing properly. So come work with myself and my team. We prescribe to all 50 states and parts of Canada. I have you covered. I've been building this team for years so that I could help you no matter where you are. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes, book a free application call. We're going to go over your current health situation, what worked, what hasn't worked, all the things. And then we will pair you up with the right program for you where we will do it all. You will come out the other side of the program, totally optimized, getting your life back. You're going to recognize the person you see in the mirror again. Doesn't that sound absolutely amazing? Well, it might sound... Like you don't even believe it, but I promise you, I promise you, we will take good care of you. So click the link in the show notes, book a call today, and we'll be talking to you soon. Fasting, fasting. Let's break this down. Fasting has so many different benefits, and I'm going to really simplify it here today. In a nutshell, at any point of time during the day, you are either eating or you're fasting. So fasting or feasting, that's, that's at any given point during the day. You are fasting or you are feasting. Now, when you are fasting, you're not eating, you are not consuming calories. This means heavy whipping cream. This means butter. This means any kind of fat, because there's so many different outlooks on fasting. And many fasting experts will tell you that as long as you are not spiking your insulin, you are not breaking a fast, which I do tend to agree because the whole purpose of fasting that we're going to talk about this big word, autophagy, the whole purpose of it is really to get your body into a declutter state, kind of like a spring cleaning state where your body is killing off what we call zombie cells. So it's doing this thing called autophagy, 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 people say it differently, but cleaning yourself, auto is self. So autophagy is spring cleaning your dead, broken, cancerous, malignant cells and getting them, getting rid of them out of your body. Now, this happens very slowly. So whenever your body is in that fasted state, you get a little bit of autophagy going. Now, the experts will say that autophagy doesn't really kick in until after you have crested that 15, 16 hour fasting mark. So if you're just doing a 12-hour fast, while that is good, it's good. We're not saying it's bad. It's good. It's still going to give your digestion a break. It's going to allow your body to tap into your own fat stores for fuel. It's going to regulate insulin a little bit better. 
you're not going to get that autophagy benefit until after you fast a little bit longer. So 15, 16 hours, and then some. And that's why there's so many proponents of extended day fasting, even if it's just a few times a year, to really get into that autophagy state. Now, there are different products out. We're not going to go down that rabbit hole, but there are different products out that actually help speed up that autophagy and actually help to mimic. So there are different bioregulators. There are different senescence products, senescence supplements that will actually put your body into a state of autophagy without needing to fast that long. And even some ketone products. There are different exogenous ketones that will put you into a state of autophagy as well. So here we have this, this beautiful, beautiful state of autophagy. And it's cleaning house. It's cleaning out all your dead cells. It's reducing your risk of cancer. It's resetting your gut. So anyone with GI issues, anyone with insulin issues, you can practice. And it is a practice, kind of just like meditating. You got to practice this. You can practice fasting and, and experience that house cleaning and that reduction in disease states, even if you're only hitting 16 or 18 hours a day. So if you're doing the longer fast, there is evidence, there are studies that show that one extended fast per year, and that's going to be a seven-dayer, one seven-day water fast done per year, and I have not yet done this, so don't look at me like I'm higher than, than you, I have not yet done this whatsoever, will reduce your risk of cancer by 90%. It's a crazy number. It's worth doing, right? But yet it's so hard to do. Now, some of you out there are like, that's not hard. I do that all the time. You guys are crazy. I don't enjoy fasting. I enjoy intermittent fasting. I listen to my body, which I'm going to tell you to do as well. And I don't eat in that beginning part of the day because 99% of the time I am not hungry. But to do an extended fast, listen, I made it three days and that was rough. That was rough. I mean, no joke. That was rough. Now, many of you who have done an extended fast, you'll tell me, well, you got to get past that three day. We got to get past that five day, but getting to those three days, that's rough, right? So I'm all about gathering my benefits day after day, rather than hitting it all in the face with one time fasting. I'm all about gathering my benefits. So I'm totally, totally on board and down with a 16 or 18 hour fast for most of you. And we're going to talk about when to and when not to. This is just the benefits of. So even when you're building up your benefits, even when you're, you're stockpiling, you're banking your benefits of autophagy by practicing 16 and 18 hour fast, there are some downsides to it as well. And here's where we're going to go into it. If you are a hypothyroid Hashimoto patient, you are under a lot of stress. So any kind of autoimmune condition will produce a stress on the body. Now you're not walking around, well, maybe you are feeling it because you're all frustrated because nobody's helping you. You're still dealing with the symptoms of that. But if you're in general kind of walking around like I am, hey, there's autoimmune present. I'm under stress daily, just running a business and answering emails and family stress and all of that. So then you have on top of the day-to-day -day stress, you have the autoimmune stress, your health stress. 
And that can produce a burden on the body over time, and it can start to tax your adrenals. Now, if you've been listening to me for a while, you know that by no means do I hang my hat on adrenal fatigue. Do I believe that some of you have low points of cortisol production? Absolutely. We can place T3 there to bump up that cortisol, like get a little bit of low cortisol in the morning. Let's add in some T3 and nudge that up a little bit. Or if you tend to spike high right before dinner, because you're like, oh gosh, I got to go home and I got to cook the kids dinner. I got to help with homework. and I still got to fold the laundry. Then you're going to get a little bit of a cortisol bump right around dinner time. And we can use things like phosphatidylserine, deep breathing, go to yoga before you go home. We can use certain things to address points of cortisol dysregulation along your pathway. But really the only time that we see true adrenal fatigue is when that cortisol is bottomed out in the basement. You are flatlining low or you're flatlining high, but honestly, I've never seen that. Usually when people come to me, if, if, if they have been through tremendous stress, and I'm talking the only time I really saw a true flatline across the bottom of the, the cortisol pattern where it was supposed to be high. The only time I saw that was in a patient who had gone through a divorce and lost her son in an accident that same year, her 20 year old son. So that was intense stress that most of us cannot even comprehend. And if you can comprehend that, my deepest apologies and, and, heart goes out to you big time because that's a lot to deal with. But when the body has that much stress to deal with, yes, your adrenals might completely shit the bed. But in an average day-to-day stressor situation, I would say you're not going to see total flatline short of a, you know, Addison's disease or some some type of a pituitary tumor. You're not going to see or adrenal tumor, you're not going to see a total flatline of your cortisol. But we have to remember that we don't want to pile on the stressors. So what if you are under a great deal of stress? You, your, your body, you just you don't have that energy to get going in the morning. You're dragging yourself out of bed. You're dragging yourself through the day. We are working on your thyroid. We're optimizing that. So I'm not going to go down the thyroid and hormone rabbit hole. You know my take on that. Those have to be optimized. But let's say you are still under a great deal of stress and you're dragging yourself through the day and you're wondering, should I throw in a fast here? That might be the straw that breaks your camel's back. That might be that stressor that just tips you over the edge. We don't want that. We don't want you tipping over any edges. I want you nice and steady. So this is where you really have to tune into your body. And I've told you this over and over again. I really want you to to tune into your body's signals and what it's giving you. This is where you have to tune into your body. You have to ask yourself, do I feel like I am under a large amount of stress? And is doing this fast today, this morning, Is it overriding my body's own hunger signals? Is it overriding my body's own stress signals to where I am pushing past because I have it in my mind that a 16-hour fast must be done today because I heard it was good and I know I need to do it and I'm going to push myself through it. And then that's another stressor that just adds to your overall plate when you really didn't need that extra stressor in your life. And I know you're sitting there going, well, how the hell am I supposed to know? I don't know. I don't know if this, if fasting is going to stress me out more. Okay. So when you wake up in the morning, here's the exercise I want you to do. You wake up in the morning and you ask yourself, you sit, maybe do a five minute meditation, five minutes, people, five, 
five minute meditation. And maybe this is not only to kind of calm everything down and reset your parasympathetic nervous system and get ready for the day, but it's also to tap into how you feel. So ask yourself truly, am I hungry? Now I've done another podcast on hunger versus habit. So tuning into whether your hunger signals are really hungry signals, or if this is just habitual, if you're so used to eating breakfast, because breakfast is the most important meal of the day, air quotes, you're so used to eating breakfast that it's a habit. So I want you to sit there, deep breathe and tune in and ask yourself, am I truly hungry? Do I, am I getting those growling sensations from ghrelin? Am I getting those hunger sensations? Am I truly feeling like if I don't eat, I'm probably going to tank. I'm probably going to crash. Like this isn't a good feeling. Or are you sitting there going, I'm not hungry. I can have a cup of coffee and move on with my day and genuinely make it till, I don't know, noon, one, two. So tune into yourself and ask yourself. So that's part one. Because you tuning into your own body and recognizing whether or not this is hunger or habit is a huge first step in making progress. You have to know this information. Hands down, you have to know this information. So every single day should start with, am I truly hungry? If you are hungry, if you're like, wow, something's up, something's not right. I'm not usually hungry at 7 a.m. What is going on? If you are not truly hungry, then don't eat. If you are truly hungry, that's not a day to fast. And that is intuitive fasting. That's listening to your body. So that is step one. If you are not hungry then you, and you are listening to your body, then it's not an added stressor to fast until you are hungry. The stressor comes in pushing past your limits. And listen, we all set goals. So the best athletes, we're not going to tell them, hey, don't run that marathon, even though you've trained for it. Don't go to the Olympics. That's an extra stress on your body. I know it's Sunday, but Najee Harris, you can just sit home. It's cool. We don't want to stress you out. No, we want the athletes to play. We want you to experience those highs. We want you to be the best badass human that you're meant to be. And sometimes that means pushing past a stressor. Sometimes that means setting a goal where you say, you know what, I haven't tried 16 hour fasting yet. I haven't tried 18 hour fasting yet. I'm going to see, I'm just going to put, I'm going to pick today. And as long as I feel okay in the morning, I'm going to give it a try just to get my body used to it and see how I feel. That is fine. But when you get into this type A psycho way of thinking, which I've been there, so I am not passing judgment at all, but you type A's, you know who you are. And when you start to get into that way of thinking of, I am going to fast and I am going to fast 18 hours and two days a week, I'm doing an OMAD and two days I'm fasting completely. No food. I might even do a dry fast, take out the water too. When you go crazy like that, that is the stressor. That is where your body tips over. That's where the straw floats down and breaks your camel's back because you've gone beyond what you are programmed to do in that day. You did not listen to your body. Yeah, you pushed past it one day and then you kept pushing. And then it became five days and it became seven. Then it became two weeks. Now you're a month in. Maybe you're two, three months in. You guys know who you are. 
that have done two and three day full fast, no food every single week for the last couple of months. And you wonder why you're not losing weight because that is an added stressor. Well, I heard fasting was good for, for weight loss. It is because it lets your body shift from being a sugar burner to being a fat burner. It actually, when we're not shoving our face full of food all the time, our insulin levels drop down. So if you're insulin resistant, fasting is great. If you're eating all the time, your body can never shift from burning glucose or food or sugar or carbs that you're eating for fuel. I mean, literally short of you eating nothing but fat all the time, no protein, no carbs, nothing but fat. If you're a human being and you're eating, you are shifting out of that sugar burning mode. Well, you're shifting out of the, if you're eating, you're in a sugar burning mode. You have to not eat to shift over to that fat burning mode. Now, if you do ketosis, if you, if you practice keto, if you practice low carb, if you're taking exogenous ketones, like I said earlier, all of that, I'm not going to get, this isn't meant to get into those little nitty gritty type of argument aspects of fasting, because literally it's, it's, it's like an asshole. Everyone has one, right? Fasting opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one. So you have to really think through how this applies to you. Don't get pulled down the rabbit hole of the itty bitty little nuances. Can I drink coffee? Can I drink coffee with cream? I don't know. Test your glucose. If your glucose spikes, then no, you can't drink or eat that or put that in your coffee. You might have to go. If you really want to do a fast, you might have to go without coffee. You might have to sip on some tea, but test that too. Don't get into the, the nitty gritty nuances, but look at the surface information. Because if you don't even start with the surface information, you're really going to F up the nitty gritty nuances. Surface, are you hungry? Or are you not hungry? Are you pushing past your limits by, by telling yourself the fasting is good for you and you have to do it more and you have to do it more and you have to do it more, but you're not seeing any progress. That's when you have to pull back. So this is where we start adjusting our fasting schedule. Tuning into yourself in the morning, listening to your body. Ladies, I don't care where you are in your life. Your hormones are still fluctuating. Even in menopause, your hormones are still fluctuating. And ours fluctuate more than men. So you might have days where you are famished in the morning and you might have days where you're just not that hungry. You might have days where it's the seafood diet. Everything you see, you could literally eat because you are that hungry. And other days where you could care the less. So you have to tune into your hunger signals, whether or not you're truly hungry. Is it hunger versus habit? And what should you do that day? Now, again, I mean, we could, we could talk about this for hours and hours and hours. I could go down the, well, where are you in your cycle type of fasting? And there's different rules and, and thought processes. I'm not even going to call them rules because they're thought processes. We're still learning. There are different thought processes around when you are cycling. Now, my argument is if you're in that PMS state and you're really craving carbohydrates and sugar, and that's the only time of the month that you crave it, maybe you throw in some berberine in there so you don't eat your face off and undo what the last three weeks of you busting your ass is done for your health and for your body. So maybe you toss in some berberine to curb those cravings. 
maybe that's actually a time too fast because it's obvious that your blood sugar is dysregulated. When you're getting those insatiable cravings, yes, it's hormonal fluctuations. It's part of PMS that we were taught as little girls, like, oh, I crave chocolate. Well, do you, or is your insulin just totally whacked out at that point in time? And you might need to do a little bit more keto and fasting. Maybe your body doesn't need carbs then because it's sending you all kinds of wackadoodle signals. Sure, during your cycle or PMS time might not be the time to do a heavy and intense workout when you're bleeding, like day one of your bleed. I don't know. Go see if you're strong or not. If you're not that strong and you want to do yoga, go do yoga. You don't have to follow any kind of laid out plan. Just because an expert says maybe on this day, it's the day to, to rest and reset. And on this day, it's a day to go lift heavy shit. Do what feels right for you. If you feel strong that day and you're like, well, you know, Susie expert said today is not a day that I should be lifting heavy. So I'm just going to chill and do yoga. No, you're missing out on your body telling you something. Go, go listen to your body. Same thing with fasting during your cycle. And again, I said, I wouldn't go down this rabbit hole, but I'm going down it just a little bit. I think I got my toe in this rabbit hole. Independent of where you are in your cycle, listen to your body's hunger signals because everyone is different. So if you do tend to get very, very famished, very, very hungry, you might want to throw in some blood sugar fixer, berberine. You might want to incorporate in a little bit of fasting just to start balancing out that insulin signaling so you don't get famished and you're not eating the house, right? And then other times of the month, same thing, same thing. Your body is still fluctuating. Your hormones are still fluctuating. I don't care where you are in your cycle or what time of the month it is, you listen to your body. You listen to your body. You take stock in what's going on around you. Maybe you just went through a crazy stressful time. I, listen, I, this happened to me. I went a month or two of I couldn't fast more than 12 hours to save my life. And I just rolled with it. And I didn't judge. No judgment. I didn't judge. I didn't beat myself up. I didn't pull my type A card and said, you're better than this. Make sure you fast because you know how good it is for you. No, I just listened to my body and went, yeah, I just haven't been able to fast lately. Is what it is. It is what it is. And then sure enough, it kicks back in and my, my hunger signals start to balance out. And I go, okay, well, yeah, now I, now I can go 16 hours without really even thinking about it. So it's all about listening to your hunger signals, hunger signals tune into yourself. Now, the other question to fast or not to fast, we talked a little bit about cycles. I didn't want to go down that rabbit hole, but we did, we did, we did. If you are struggling to lose weight, this might be a time to throw in some fasting. Okay. So what if you are doing all the things? What if you are, and you have to do all the things first before you use this as a crutch. Although you will hear some proponents. I have some colleagues that they were struggling with their weight and they did everything. And we didn't really talk about thyroid and hormones that much, but their story is they did everything they incorporated in fasting. And that was the one thing that let them lose the weight and keep it off and still eat in moderation. So you might, again, when you're going down the checklist, right, you got to optimize your thyroid. You better make sure your hormones are balanced because if your testosterone is low, you're not going to have motivation. You're not going to want to go to the gym. You're not going to have strength. You're not going to have that drive. If your progesterone is low, you're not going to be calm. You're not going to be balanced. If estrogen is low, your brain isn't going to function. I mean, amongst many, many other things. And testosterone isn't going to let you, if you have low testosterone, you're not going to lose weight, like male or female. You're not going to lose weight. 
So you have to make sure that you're, you have all those things checked off. Then of course, yeah, if you're feeding your face with a bunch of carbs and sugar, please don't think that fasting is going to make you lose weight. It's not. You're going to keep that weight on just based on what that food does in your body. Based on what that food does in your body. We always have to go back to science with anything. I don't care if you're talking about suppressed TSH arguments, iodine arguments, fasting arguments, keto versus paleo versus the pleto diet that I still have to write a book on. It comes down to science. If you're insulin resistant, you're overweight, your body's not losing, your insulin is above a six, you better damn well be on some berberine and you better not be feeding your face with carbs and sugar because we know scientifically Carbs and sugar increase insulin. Protein, unless in abundance, does not increase insulin. Fat does not increase insulin. Bad fats do increase insulin. Your PUFAs. If you need to bone up on that, you can go back and listen to old episodes. So when we look at the science, if you're feeding your face, intermittent fasting is not going to override that. And I don't care what the proponents say. I can eat anything I want to. Bullshit, because if you are insulin resistant, and even if you feed your face in four hours a day evening window, and it's high carb and high sugar, your body's not going to lose weight. And if it does, it's coming right, right back on when you stop fasting. So you got to check thyroid hormones. What's going in your face? Are you sleeping? Because again, I don't want to hear complaints about not losing weight if you're not getting to bed by 10 p.m., and if you're not getting seven hours of sleep a night, okay, if you're one of the rare people that needs six, fine. But less than six, no. There's not a human being alive that is going to lose weight on less than six hours of sleep. And fasting will not override that either. So if you are doing all the things and you're like, damn, I still can't lose weight. And yes, okay, you're, you're not burdened down with heavy metals or chemicals and toxins, and we can go down that rabbit hole too. So many rabbit holes, so many, so many, so little time. Then you can incorporate intermittent fasting. Then you can throw that in to see if that's the thing. They can regulate your insulin a little bit better. They can bring that down, especially if you're doing all the things. They can let your body tap into its fat stores for fuel. That might be your key. So you might actually, and this is in the, in the pro-fasting realm, you might actually have to say, man, you know, I am hungry all the time. I am going through one of those two month periods like Dr. Amy told, said that she went through and I'm hungry. I'm just hungry all the time and I don't get it. That might be where you go, you know what? Two days a week, I'm starting out on my fasting journey and I'm going to do a 16-8, meaning 16 hours of fasting, eight hours of eating. So when I use these terms, 12, 14, 16, those are the amount of hours that you're fasting. 24 hours would be an OMAD, one meal a day. So you might have to say, you know what, today it's going to be a 16. It's going to be a 16. And I'm going to do this two, three times a week. And maybe one day a week, I'm going to throw in an 18 and see if that little change doesn't make a huge difference in my weight loss, in my insulin control, in my cravings, in my body's ability to tap into my fat stores for fuel. So those would be the times where I would say, yes, let's add it in. Let's add in the fasting purposefully. And you might have a couple of shitty days that you're powering through. I mean, fasting for 18 hours when you haven't or 16 hours when you haven't, 
might flat out suck, but when you push through it, get your type A on and push through where you would normally eat between after that 12 hour mark, you know, you would normally eat for 12 hours during the day, push through that and see if that can't make the difference that you need in your health, in your body, in your weight loss. I think I have covered everything without taking this way over the top and getting into too many deep holes. Here's the thing. I gave you a lot of information. There's no definitive answer. The answer has to come from you tuning into your body and realizing what you need and when. And if you are totally healthy in the weight department and you want to incorporate in fasting just for longevity and cancer prevention, and Alzheimer's prevention. I mean, the list goes on and on in terms of what fasting is good for. We talked about studies earlier in the podcast on cancer. On We didn't talk about the Alzheimer's connection, but Alzheimer's is considered now to be type 3 diabetes with its strong connection to high insulin levels. So if you are having trouble, let's say you are using berberine, maybe you're using metformin and you can't get those insulin levels down, Fasting might be your next thing to throw in to really try to knock those down and protect your brain as you age. So yes, if you're using it for longevity purpose, by all means, you might have to push through some days. You might have to get your type A on and push through some days because three days, five days, seven days, bah. to me, it stinks. I like food too much, but I will do it for the cancer prevention. One of these days I will do it. I will document it for you. If you're doing it though for weight loss, I want you to tune into your body, re-listen to this and, and implement fasting on those days where you have tuned in and you say, yes, I can do this today. It's going to be good for me to do and not, oh my God, I think I'm going to go through hell if I fast today. I will leave you with two other little, little tips, little things going back to what do I eat or drink during a fast? Technically, the answer should be water. Now, I mentioned this earlier, so I'll expand on it. I don't want to leave you hanging. Glucose, testing your glucose. The question comes up, should I, can I, can I drink black coffee? I heard that I can put heavy whipping cream in my coffee. I heard I can put butter in my coffee and all that's fine. Test your glucose. Get a keto mojo, get a cheap glucose testing thing, like a Libre, whatever, go to Walmart. And test your blood sugar in the morning, fasted. Now, it might be a little bit high because of the cortisol awakening response, but you want to test your blood sugar. And then I want you to test it again a half an hour after you drink your coffee. So the first time, try drinking it black and see if that glucose goes up more than 10 points. If it goes up more than 10 points, then that's not your, you're coming out of your fast. And if it goes down, that's fine. So then the next day you try it maybe with butter, maybe with heavy whipping cream and you test again and you test a half an hour after you drink your coffee, black or with whatever you're putting in it and see if that glucose goes up. If it goes up on more than 10 points, then you are breaking out of that fasted state. If it goes down, you are fine. So that's one way to test. And listen, there might be coffee that it might not work for you. Or maybe you tried the Four Sigmatic coffee that has less caffeine. So it's going to be that caffeine most likely that spikes you, but you gotta kind of play around with it and see what's gonna work for you. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I hope you loved it. And as always, if you would be so kind to leave a review, if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, that would be absolutely amazing. I read all of them. 
Also, anything that you hear on this podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any kind of medical condition. So we always recommend that you check with your medical provider, your doctor, your nurse practitioner before implementing anything that you hear on this podcast. And if you want to find out more about working together, you can click the link below in the show notes to book a discovery call. And there you'll be talking to a member of my team. They are an extension of me. They are amazing. And you and I will talk after that once we get you all signed up and you and I get to work together. All right. I hope to see you soon.